Welcome to the Equipers Church Budapest podcast. We hope today's message will encourage and inspire you. For more information, check equiperschurch.au. Friends, are you ready for the word of God tonight? I want to take you to the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 6. It's actually a scripture that has been with me for uh, the last few months. Um, and I've never spoken about it here. And I'd love to share my heart on, on this um, passage in Isaiah chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. And then we will go into the passage. And um, I, there, is, there is some things that I feel that God is uh, telling us prophetically for this season, for this year, from this passage. So here we go. Isaiah chapter 6, we're going to start from the beginning in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Can we say this together? I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. This is going to be a big thing later in the message. I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. Don't ask me about why six wings and why they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongues from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, let's say this together. Here I am. Send me. Let's do this better. Here am I. Send me. And once more. Here am I. Send me. Dear Jesus, as we, as we listen to the word today, I, we pray that your Holy Spirit would shake us. And speak to us and mobilize us in such a time as this. I'm praying for the anointing of the Holy Spirit right now to operate in this room. To touch every heart and to use me in a special way. Come Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Well friends, uh, there are three things I want to share from this passage today. Here is the first one. In a time of earthly confusion, 
I need a revelation of heavenly order. In a time of earthly chaos, earthly turmoil, earthly confusion, we need a fresh revelation that God is still on the throne. Now, this was a good place to say amen. amen. I love how you cooperate. Awesome. You're such an awesome church. So what happened here? Um, we heard that this story happened during the reign of a king in Israel whose name was Uzziah. Uzziah, uh, he was a king that started to reign very early in his life. He was a teenager. At the age of 16, he became a king. Friends, I believe in the young generation being in the position of influence. I believe that God can use the young generation. This guy, he was 16 and he became a king. And God used him, used him in, a, in a very special way. He actually reigned for 52 years. He was one of the longest reigning kings in the history of uh, the Judean kingdom, the southern kingdom. He started at the age of 16 and he reigned for more than five decades. It was a very prospering season. Uh, comparable to the time of King Solomon or King Jehoshaphat. The reign of Uzziah was uh, incredibly prosperous. God actually granted them a season of prosperity. Uh, he uh, built fortification in the land. Uh, the country was safe and it was expanding. But towards the end of his life, towards the end of his reign, he became, now this is sad, this is incredibly sad because he became arrogant and proud. And we actually find at the end of his reign, King Uzziah going into the temple and offering incense, which was not his place. It was it was the role of the high priest. And so Uzziah, after a time of prosperity, he actually takes something that is not his position. It's not his role. It's not his mandate. He takes the incense. He goes into the holy place. And uh, in a prideful and arrogant way, he fulfills the duty of a priest. And God stops him in a radical way. And he is actually hit by leprosy. And he dies in a sad way. Now, you know, I've been uh, shocked so many times. I've been in ministry now for 30 years almost. And I've seen so many people that have served the Lord for a long time. And God blessed them in an amazing way. They've been some of the greatest role models for my own life and my own ministry, my own leadership. But somehow pride and arrogance got inside of these people. And they did not finish well. And it's always... Uh, you know, such a shocking realization that we have to be faithful all the way till the end. Uh, that's our part to play. We've, we've sung tonight about the faithfulness of God. That He is faithful. He, His faithfulness is great. But we have to do our part. 
we have to stay faithful as well. Come on. So Uzziah, he was, he was a king that for five decades he led in a faithful way. But somehow at the end he became proud and arrogant. And this is where uh, the Bible begins with this story. It says that in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Now imagine the leadership of the nation collapsing. A king who led the nation for five decades into prosperity. All of a sudden he dies. Economy collapses. The borders of the nation are uh, open for intrusion. There is a shock. There is a calamity. There is confusion. There is chaos in the land. Nobody knows what is going to follow after that. There may be war. There may be an invasion of another nation that is surrounding Israel. What's going to happen? Friends, in the time of earthly confusion, we need a revelation of the heavenly order. And the Bible says that when Uzziah dies, Isaiah the prophet has a vision. And he sees that while the earthly throne, throne is empty, the heavenly throne is well occupied. While the earthly throne is shaken, the heavenly throne is well established. And friends, to me this is prophetic for this season right now. For the last two years, the whole world was in, uh, in a shaking, in chaos, in a, in a calamity. This pandemic was horrible for all of us. And now, of course, in these last few days, we have been facing the reality of a war right next to our borders. But I want to say one thing, that while the earthly throne may be in confusion... The heavenly throne is well established. I want to say that while there is dying, while there is death, while there is uh, shock and chaos and confusion here, God is still on the throne. If we would just for a second have that same revelation that Isaiah had, if we would have the heavens ripped open tonight, we would see that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, He is still reigning. He still has the authority. He still has everything in his hands and everything under control. You know, I'm asking the question, what would happen if in 2022, the prophets today would actually focus on the open heaven and on the king who is sitting on the throne, on his kingdom, his reign, his authority, His will, His purposes in our generation, His kingdom. And it's amazing what Isaiah saw, what Isaiah saw as the heavens opened. He sees God sitting on the throne and there is an atmosphere of the presence of God around Him. There are the heavenly beings flying around Him in the presence of God saying that He is holy, holy, holy. Now, when you see something in the Bible repeated three times, it's for the reason that back then 
they did not have a highlighter. So it's like he really wanted to highlight that he is holy. Meaning that he is so different from everything that we know. He is so incredibly different, other than everything else we know. He's separated from all of our filth and deficits. He is holy. And then he sees the glory of God emulating from the throne. It's like, imagine this throne room in the heavens. God is sitting on the throne. His position is well established. And out of there, His presence is going out. His glory, the definition of His glory is the presence of God that is descending. Kabot is going down as a weight. Manifested presence of God. And it's, it's going from the throne of God and it's reaching the earth. It's filling the earth. Now, we mainly see the bad stuff, but hey friends, the glory of God is actually filling this place. Even right now when there is chaos and confusion and war and conflicts, hatred. The presence of God is filling this place. It's filling the atmosphere. The glory of God even now is descending upon the earth. In the middle of this chaos and turmoil, God is doing something. He's actually reaching us with His glory. His glory is descending through the darkness, penetrating through the darkness into our sphere. This is what Isaiah saw. I love this. Come on, church. In the time of earthly confusion, we need a fresh revelation of heavenly order. Ready for number two? In times of crisis, uh, the confrontation with the glory of God will show our weak spots, our deficits. When there is a time of crisis and, and we uh, find ourselves in the middle of the glory of God, all of a sudden, everything that is not okay, all of our deficits are being revealed. You know, crisis is a revealer. Crisis is a revealer. When things are going well, you know, you manage to be an okay Christian. You kind of make it uh, with mediocre Christianity. When things are all right, uh, you can manage being a, a Christian with, uh, you know, a Sunday type of Christianity. You know, the submarine type of a Christian. You are under the water for the rest of the week and on Sunday you come out. Um, there was a pastor in this one church who was welcoming people. I'm so happy that we have a great welcome team in the church here. Come on, red t-shirts. So there was this pastor welcoming people. And then he sees the guy that he hasn't seen for a long time in church. I see you. I see you. I see you. 
He hasn't seen it for a long time. He's like, hey, uh, brother, uh, I want to invite you to be in, uh, in the um, army of God. He says, I, and he says, I, I am in God's army. Uh, and he says, but hey, why don't I see you in church? I never see you in church. And he says, uh, I am, but I'm in the secret service. <laughs> anyway, this was a maybe an inappropriate joke for this season. When everything is going okay, we get by living a mediocre Christian life full of a compromise. But crisis is a revealer. And, you know, during the pandemic, during the two years, uh, so much in our life was actually tested. Our character was tested. Our relationships were tested. Our faith and courage were tested. Our leadership was tested. You know how many times I wanted to quit church planting in Budapest? In these last two years, nobody told me that I'll be planting a church in Budapest during a worldwide pandemic. <laughs> Crisis is a revealer. It actually shows us the weak spots. But let me tell you this. The glory of God is even a bigger revealer. Yes. The glory of God is even a bigger revealer. Here in this story... Uh, when Isaiah sees the glory of God, the first thing he says is, God, I'm finished. I'm done. Woe to me. I'm finished. I'm out of here. All of a sudden, he sees his own inadequacies, his own deficits. And the way he puts it is, is like, yeah, uh, I am a man of unclean lips, and I also live among the people full of unclean lips. Uh, we have this vacuum cleaner at our house uh, that we, we bought it about a year ago. And it's, it's a really bad thing. We shouldn't have bought that vacuum cleaner. The reason for that is that it actually has a light. You know, so as you vacuum, as you, as you, as I do the vacuum cleaning, <laughs> the vacuum cleaner actually has a light, like an LED LED lights in front of it. So when I vacuum clean, I, I see all the dirt. I see all the filth, you know, on the floor. And so I'm like, yeah, this room is okay. I just, I just vacuum a little. And then I start vacuum cleaning. And in the light of that glory, <laughs> all of the dust and filth and garbage is revealed. You get my point? The glory of God is such a reveal. When, God's, when God takes his vacuum cleaner into his hands and shines into my life, I'm finished. I'm done. Woe to me. I am ruined. Uh, remember Peter? The apostle. I mean, there's many Peters here. Peter the apostle. Uh, Jesus, uh, uh, he calls him in 
in a fantastic way. That's another message, another sermon. I'm not going to go there. But he was a fisherman, so Jesus caught his attention by a miracle in his job. It was a miraculous catch of fish. And you know the story, there is a, there is a miracle. P Peter was disappointed. He was probably at the lowest point of his life, discouraged. Jesus shows up. He does a miracle. There is a supernatural, miraculous catch of fish. And what Peter does, how he responds is, Woe unto me. I am ruined. Jesus, depart from me. I am a sinner. When he is, uh, when he is confronted with the glory of God in his life, he sees his own inadequacy, his own deficits. Another story you may well remember is the story of Saul who persecuted the church of Jesus Christ. He's on the way to Damascus and he wants to kill Christians. He wants to kill the first generation of church and he comes to the city and uh, as, as he is on his way, he is struck with the glory of God. And his response is, Woe unto me, I am ruined. Who are you? Why are you doing this to me? What should I do? See, this is um, time after time. Uh, happening in the Bible when we are confronted with the glory of God, when we experience the holiness of God, the presence of God, all of a sudden our own life is seen in the glory of that vacuum cleaner. The glory of God is a revealer. And I love what follows. You know, God doesn't say, oh, sorry, Isaiah, I'm going to. Uh, extinguish your life like a spider. I'll call another prophet. Now what he does, this is amazing. He, uh, there, is, there is a scene where an angel takes a coal from the altar in the heavens. And, and he comes with that coal, with that fresh fire from the throne of God. From the altar of God. And he touches the very place of Isaiah's uncleanness. In other words, Isaiah is exposed to the fire of God. Isaiah gets a fresh touch from the Lord. The fire of God touches Isaiah in his most uh, critical place. The fire of God, the coal of God actually touches him. And, and what happens, it burns all of his um, iniquity, all of his sin, all of his deficit. It's all taken away. I love when God does that. Do you love the fire of God? How many people love the fire of God? Fire. As Pentecostals, we love the fire. Fuego. But it's actually quite striking that when the Bible talks about the fire of God, it actually has a double meaning. It talks about 
the Holy Spirit, but it also talks about the process of cleansing and burning the iniquity and burning the deficiencies in our lives. John the Baptist said that Jesus, he's going to come and he's going to baptize you with Holy Ghost and fire. And he brings a picture of a harvest when uh, uh, during the harvest uh, seeds from the harvest field are collected. And then uh, there is what we call the threshing floor. Now, I have to take you back like decades or centuries ago. Because we, in the city of Budapest, we don't have a threshing floor. So when there was a harvest of, of wheat, uh, when the harvest was collected, they would take the grains and they would basically beat them up. So that chaff from the grain would be separated. Then the wind would blow away the chaff. And eventually, chaff was burned and seed was preserved. Now, this is the threshing floor experience. And, and this is what um, John the Baptist says that Jesus would actually do with his fire. He allows those situations in our lives to burn away the things that are not supposed to be in our life. So when we say that I love the fire of God, it means that I love the presence of the Holy Ghost. I love the, I love the person of the Holy Spirit, the fire of His presence. But it also means that God uses those moments in our life to sanctify us, to make us pure, to make us clean. Somebody should say like mighty hallelujah. You better encourage one another when you go through this. All right, number three. Let's go to the final part of this uh, story. Number three. At the time of the revelation of his glory and the revelation of our deficit, a mission for this time is born. I love what's happening here. Uh, Isaiah sees the glory of God. He sees his own deficiencies, his own deficits. And he gets a fresh touch from the fire of God. And as this is happening, there is a call from God himself. He says, now who will go for us? The question of a lifetime. That's the million dollar question. And Isaiah says, here I am. Send me. So, yeah, what, what's happening here? I believe that our mission has to be driven by those two revelations. The revelation of the presence of God and the revelation of like, I cannot do it without his fire. Our mission has to be driven by this. It has to come from a place of intimacy with God. It has to come from that moment of revelation that God is still on the throne. But I cannot do it by myself. It has to come from that revelation. And it has to come from a fresh touch of His fire, of His Holy Spirit in my life. And then you hear the call. Who will come? Who will go? And some translations actually put it this way. Who will go for us? 
It's like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit collectively are asking this question. Who will go represent us prophetically on earth? Who will be the prophet for that generation? Who will have my words in their mouth and prophetically declare my word? Who is going to be the ambassador of my kingdom on earth? Who is going to go in our place? Who is going to articulate our message? Who will go for us? Now, I'm not sure if, you're, if uh, you are hearing this question, this challenge. But I believe that in these days, for such a time as this, for this hour, God is sounding the same challenge. If we would have attentive ears tonight, we would hear the voice of God actually articulating the same question. Who, who will go for us? I mean, tonight he is, he is whispering that to your ears. Yes, I know that it's a time of chaos. And I know that you are feeling inadequate. But who will go for us? Who is going to represent his throne, his kingdom? Who is going to be his ambassador? Who is going to be his prophet for this generation? And friends, I feel like never before that today is the time when we need to shine. Today is the time when God is looking for people that will actually represent him, be his ambassadors, be his spokesmen. Today is the time for that. He is counting on you. There is no plan B. He's counting on us. We are a prophetic generation, a generation of new Isaiahs. And of course, you know, we don't really know how this global situation will evolve. We we have some guesses from the scripture, some limited understanding. But we need to be faithful and we need to step in the gap as a church, as ambassadors of his kingdom. You know, I have, uh, I have not stopped believing in the harvest. It's been discouraging at times. But I haven't stopped believing in the harvest. Two years ago, <clears throat> and it was, I think, December 2019, I came with this powerful message, preaching my heart out, saying, you know, the word for 2020 is harvest, revival, harvest. And then we had to go into lockdowns. And it was like, you know, People were saying, like, I think you misheard. Did you, did you really hear from God? Or was it last night's pizza? <laughs> but I haven't stopped believing in the harvest. I believe the harvest is here. I believe that revival is here. I believe that the awakening of the Holy Spirit is here. We are not waiting for a move of God. We are a move of God. God is not just about to do something. He is doing something already. And in such a time as this, we have been positioned. And I believe that even uh, 
geographically here in Budapest, we have been positioned as a church to be his instruments in this time. I think we are even in the middle of this war, in the middle of his conflict, in the middle of uh, millions of refugees being uh, on the go, on the run. We have been strategically positioned to represent God in our time, in this day, in this hour. And this question that Isaiah heard, we need to pay attention to this question. Who will go? Who shall I send? And what follows is the most powerful thing we can say, we can respond. Here am I. I think we have a picture here of um, a man putting his shoes on. I want to ask you tonight, guys, to put your shoes on. Get ready. The Bible says that one of the weapons that we have is the boots of the gospel. The readiness of the gospel. And that's what I want to finish this message with tonight. I want to challenge you to put your shoes on. Being ready to go. And when I say that, I don't necessarily mean that all of us should go to the borders, bring in humanitarian aid, or all of us should go to the streets. And We all have our mission. First of all, where you live, where you work, where you study. We all have a mission. We all have a mandate from God. And we all can say, here am I. Or here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me. We all have that mission from God for our own space. And God is, even tonight, I believe that in a special way, that He's, he's actually, God is broken for those people, guys. He's broken, of course, for everyone who is, who is um, out there. But he's especially broken right now for the people that are suffering in this global crisis. Because that's what it is already. He is, his heart is broken for them. And he's broken for everyone who does not know him yet. Uh, when I was uh, 18, long time ago. Very long time ago, very long time ago, I, two years after the fall of communism, I was able to go to Bible college in the States. And, uh, and uh, yeah, the first week in the Bible college, there was a mission conference. Uh, and I was sitting in the first row and there was a mission conference and a few evangelists have just returned from Russia. The communism that was there for 70 years had just collapsed. And, and during the summer, they actually uh, distributed about half a million Gospels. And they, they saw tens of thousands of people receive Jesus that summer. And they were telling stories of salvations. And I was sitting on the first row, and, uh, and that, that night, I actually said, God, I'm going to dedicate my life for this cause. 
I want to go to that part of the world and I want you to use me in this mission. And I prayed that he would give me my nation. Back then I didn't know that it was going to be my nations, plural. God is tricky. But as a young kid, 18, I, I, gave, I responded and I gave my life for missions back then, for his mission. And for me, the rest of my life is just a response to that. It's just a reaction to that. Now, for most of us, saying yes to him will not mean being a, you know, in a spiritual career, a pastor, a missionary. But we all can say, here am I, send me. And I believe that just like back then, we saw a mighty move of God in that generation. In this generation, I believe truly with my heart that we shall see a big harvest. We will see that, church. And we will be in the middle of that. I wonder if we can stand as we close tonight. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If it's okay with you, I want to just ask you to stretch your hands to Jesus tonight. As a sign of surrendering and worshiping Him tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Just invite Him into your life right now in a fresh way. His presence, His Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, precious Holy Spirit. Yes. Thank you, Holy Spirit. There is, there is two things that I believe that God wants to do tonight. The first one is He wants to cleanse you with His fire. He wants to touch you with His fire. If, if tonight there is anything in your life that is in the light of His presence revealed. Maybe up until now you did not even see it. But when you are in His presence, in His glory, you see that. And His Spirit is showing you things in your life that are not okay. I want to challenge you to surrender that. To give it to Him. It may be a sin and it doesn't even have to be a sin. It, it just may be a thing that is not yet surrendered to Jesus. And I want to ask you to just respond to Him. And whatever that is, you can tell Him, Jesus, I surrender. I give that to you. And I believe that right now he is going with his fire and he's touching you guys. Even way there in the back, he's touching you with his feel this flame, with his call, with his fire right now. He's touching you by his spirit right now. In Jesus' name, he's doing that right now. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. So let's just begin to pray for a moment. Surrender your own life, surrender your heart to him. Come on. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yeah. Ask Him. Cleanse me, Jesus. Burn away everything that is not supposed to be there. Yes, Lord. I believe that God is looking for people that are courageous and will say, 
God, I will go. I will shine. I will be the light. I will be the mission. I will, I will be the ambassador. I will be the person you can use in the mission. I will go. And so whatever that means for you, I also want to just ask you to respond to Jesus. If you want to really say yes to Jesus tonight, here am I. I'll go. I'll shine. I'll touch. I'll speak. I'll be the light for you, Jesus. Just like I did at the age of 18, I'm going to ask you to just say your yes to Jesus tonight. I'll go. Send me where you are if you want to say that to Jesus. Like, just shoot your hands to him. Like, yes, Jesus, I will. I'll go. Just give him your yes tonight. I'll go. You can count on me, Jesus. Use me by your power, by your authority. Not that I was worthy, but because you see me as worthy of the call, worthy of this call. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Now, wherever you are, wherever you are, just respond to Him. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord.